Hey, I want to welcome you to our weekend online service, and I'm so glad that you've come to be a part of this uh, with us today. And thank you for joining in uh, for a little bit of worship and just a chance for us to open God's Word and grow together. So I'm going to ask you to do something, no matter if you're sitting at home watching this on your phone, no matter what it is, I want you to just take a deep breath, okay? Just breathe in, breathe out. And I just want you to quiet your heart. I know we sometimes come to these kinds of things and, you know, the day has been going, things have been happening, and so we kind of rush in and rush out. But today is really all going to be about, about making some time. And so let's just do it right now. Just make some time. Uh, obviously, you're doing it in your schedule, but I want you to make some space in your life, in your heart as well for what God wants to do. And let's invite him into this time. So pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you are good and you're for us in your design and your heartbeat for us. It's for us to know you and to experience your peace and your joy that, that we just don't force in from the outside, but Lord, that begins somewhere deep in us. So as we open your word, Lord, I, I pray that it would bring understanding to us, but it would also bring freedom to us. So we thank you for this time, and we just pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, at the beginning, when you tuned in, you'd see there's resources down below, so don't miss a chance to get a note-taking sheet, see some of the things uh, that are there, different links for how you can give, how you can respond, all those things are down below. Also, make sure to hit that subscribe button. That'll give you a, an alert. Every time we post a new video, when uh, new services come, so make sure to do that and be part uh, of our list. Well, we kicked off this new year with a brand new series called The Time Is Now. That's what we're in right now. And we begin by really in that first week making a call to action by, by saying that this is our moment to know God. This is the step we can take in this brand new year to know our identity in him and his desire to have a deep connection with us. The next week, we looked at God's grace-filled invitation to really move beyond those places of shame and regret and to find freedom in that, to be kind of set free from the shackles that sometimes hold us back. And instead, we could take a step towards life in him. The next week, we saw that the time is now for life, all life, to view and honor this incredible gift from our creator and to see it through the lens of Jesus, because each one of us has the mark and the fingerprints of the creator on us. Last week, we stepped back to see the power of worship and not just singing and not just music, though it definitely can be those things, but how our whole life, everything we do, uh, all that I am, all that I do, all that I say can be worship. We can bring honor to God, even through our work. If we're doing it in a way that says, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this with you. I'm doing this in honor of you, that all of our life becomes an act of worship. And that really kind of reframes and resets that for us. And today we're going to dive into something new. Now, a key verse that I've been looking at is from the Apostle Paul. And he talks about that there is this right time and this right day, and there's a response for us in this moment. 
And here's what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, uh, I listened to you at the time of my favor. And the day when you needed salvation, I came to your aid. So can't you see? Now is the time to respond to his favor. Now is the day of salvation. See, as Paul was writing that, there, there's, there's something about making a move. There's something about taking a step in, in that moment, not waiting for a someday, not waiting for all the circumstances of life to, to somehow align perfectly, but in faith, we, we take this step. And that's part of what this series is about. But here's the challenge with that. Sometimes we take that as kind of this high stress, high expectation, high, sometimes even this anxious moment of, I got to do something. And so we feel the pressure of, well, now's the time. I got to move. And, and sometimes there are these urgent moments when it's kind of go and move and, 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 and make that happen. But sometimes... And this is what we're going to look at today. This movement, this time is now thing is counterintuitive. It's not high stress, high anxiety. It's that the time is now to stop. The time is now to slow down. That's why when I started this, I I wanted you to take a breath, just to breathe in and out, to slow your heart, to slow your breathing. And, and, and I don't mean this to sound like, like some exercise, but literally to recognize that God, God is inviting us into moments with him that lead us to places of peace, that allow us truly to connect with the things that matter most, to sometimes shift the priorities a little bit, and you've probably had these moments in your life where when maybe you wouldn't use these words, but you would think, you know, the time is now for something. But again, it's not about stress. It's not about pushing. It's, it's actually about stepping back. So if you have kids, I guarantee you there have been times when they were little when you went, this is the time for a nap. This is the time to rest. This is the time to quiet down and to slow down. And that time is now for those kinds of things is just as urgent and just as needed, sometimes even more. And what it does is it moves us from frantic activity to peace. And that's why today we're saying that the time is now to make time. The time is now to make time for the things that really matter. Now, I want you to think about something. If you ever have a book, maybe you even uh, printed out the note-taking sheet on, on your, your printer at home. And around that, what do you see on that paper? You see a margin, right? There's this white space around the edges. If you open a book, 
You see white space around the edges. If you have an iPad or a tablet, guess what? Around the, age, around the edges, there's that space where nothing gets printed and, and none of the icons and the apps kind of move into that area. It's some space. And, and what happens when we have margin and space is it does a couple things. It's the space that separates something from nothing right? It's some room. No book, no report, nothing you print out would look good if the words went all the way to the very edges. Margins create visual space for us. It also creates some guidelines, not just for print, but margin in our own lives. Allow us to breathe a little bit. Allow us to kind of bring a framework to life. In the most famous of all Psalms, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. In verse three, here's what David wrote. He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. And it says, he renews my strength. Do you know what that is? It's room. It's margin, it's space, it's time. It's a place to recalibrate, right? And I wonder how many of us right now who want to be faithful, who, who want to do what God wants us to do, right? I mean, we don't wanna miss that. I mean, we may do it very imperfectly, not may, we do it very imperfectly. But in the midst of that, we find we don't even have any space. We don't have any time. We don't have any margin to actually do what God's inviting us into. Because our lives are packed with commitment. Our lives are packed with responsibility. And those are maybe really good things, really good commitments that we've made, incredible responsibilities that, that we're taking hold of in our life. It's great but we've so filled it that we actually have no room to respond or even let even let our soul breathe it's kind of crazy sometimes because we can intend all we want to do something right great intentions great desires but if we haven't created room if we haven't created space if we haven't created time in our lives where it's possible to do what our intentions are, where does it get us? Really at a core level? Nowhere. Now I wanna get really honest with you for a moment. And I always kind of laugh when I say that. It's like, not that I'm trying not to be honest at other times, but in the month that I have planned to talk about time and space and margin, I feel like I haven't had a lot personally. I feel like I'm playing catch up. I feel like it's been busy, busy and kind of uncertain in a lot of ways with things that are happening with health and COVID and family and ministry and church and all of these different things. And it seemed to all crowd in. 
So I'm just telling you, that's, that's where I've been over these past weeks. So here's the part. If this message is for no one else, it's for me. It's for me today. And I hope that doesn't seem selfish or self-absorbed, but I need this today because it's so easy to move away from the things that refresh your soul and the things that renew you and the things that bring you life and instead move towards the things that in some ways wreck us, in some ways distract us, and in almost every case reduce us. And we end up kind of soul-starved. And, and the worst of it all is it's self-imposed. It's the choices that I'm making. It may be the choices that you're making. In the Old Testament, King Solomon gave us a glimpse of the order of things. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, he says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now, if you know that passage, he goes on to list a lot of things, right? A time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to tear down and a time to build. And he really sums it up in these first six words. There is a time for everything. But here's the problem. We haven't made time for everything. We've put secondary things on a first tier level. We've taken sometimes the things that matter most and we've squeezed them out of our lives. And I'll tell you, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. But I'll tell you, it's making time and space for what matters. That's what God's inviting us into. So today, I'm calling this, now is the time to make time. And my hope in this is to not only speak these words to you, but to listen to them myself. And my challenge for you at the end of this message is to maybe take a step to realize that today is the day, that now is the time to create and make space and time and room in your life. It's going to be a challenge for us. It's going to be a challenge, but it's something that I hope we can do together as individuals, as a church family, as a faith community, to make room for the things that matter most. So I'm going to give you a few things. I want you to write these down. The first is this, to learn how to live in contentment. Contentment. Now I know contentment is, is kind of an challenging subject, right? It's kind of a hard thing because at some level, contentment sometimes just sounds like getting by, like status quo, like I'm just content, like we've almost a little bit given up. But you know, that's not how the Bible talks about contentment. The Bible really puts contentment more in a concept of satisfaction, that I'm living my life satisfied, that I'm, I'm full, I have what I need, that I'm able to engage with the things that, that I need to engage with, that I have time for the things that, that really matter. There's this 
peace that begins to permeate my life, kind of like from Psalm 23, right? He leads me to to green meadows and peaceful streams. He renews my strength. There's this satisfaction in that. And yet contentment and satisfaction is not really well understood in our culture today. It's often not understood in the busyness of life. Here's what Paul wrote in Philippians 4. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Now catch this. He says, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He says, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength that I need. Do you see what Paul's contentment and satisfaction comes from? He says, it's not with things. And I don't just mean material things, but I'm not excluding that either. He says, whether I have a full stomach or empty, in other words, even in my physical life, whether things are going great and everything is like humming along and I'm on all cylinders, or maybe if there's health issues or provision issues, or, you know, you feel like there's some lack in your life. He said, you know what? I found that I can live in both ends of that. Or, or whether there's a lot that's rolling into my life or very little. And here's what he says. It's really coming down to, am I content with Christ? Is his strength the strength of my life? Have I come to, found, to find full satisfaction in just Jesus? And you may think, well, but Dave, I got a million other things in my life. I, I know, I do too family. I mean, we can start listing all the things that, that have a piece of, of our life. But, but Paul says this, I can do everything. I have come down to this place of realizing that it is Christ in me. And in that he's found contentment. Here's some of the things that I'm learning about contentment and how I can engage with that more regularly. And you can write these down or just kind of contemplate. Maybe one of these is going to hit you more than others. But one of the things for me that helps me deal with a contented heart is remembering the blessings and the goodness of God in my life. I I don't have it anymore, but I used to have in my vehicle, I had this, I'd printed it out and actually stuck it Um, not over the speedometer because I need to see that, but I had it stuck on my dashboard and it was this, what am I grateful? In fact, I had what, what seven things am I grateful for today? So I'd be driving and trying to think of what are seven things and try not to think of the same seven things. What am I grateful for today? I will tell you this, gratitude and thanksgiving helps us live in a different place of contentment and satisfaction because I realize how much I've been given as opposed to simply focusing on what I'm missing. So remembering your blessings and God's goodness regularly. The second thing, and, and, and I read this a few years ago and it really impacted me, but when it comes to being content in Christ, and and fully being satisfied in him. I read this statement, it was this, be suspicious of what you're craving. 
And I had to think about that for a minute. And it's like, be suspicious of what I'm craving. So here's my question for you. What are you craving in your life right now? Is it making more money? Is it buying that next thing? Is it a relationship? What is it that you keep itching for, craving for in your life? And, and the challenge is this, be suspicious of that because that craving is trying to steal your heart. That craving is trying to steal your contentment and your satisfaction because that craving is saying you're missing something. You don't have enough. If you just had that, life would be great. So when those things come up, question them. In fact, I would challenge you to this. Identify where you're discontent and dig deeper. What's really underneath that? What's underneath that discontentment? What's underneath that craving? What are you really desiring? And it may lead you to some places that are hard. It may unravel some things in your life. It may cause you to to have to come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, this thing right here, I realize maybe it's from when you were younger, maybe it's something from your, your family of origin, maybe it's something right now in your life, but identify where it is that that discontentment is coming from and then go underneath it and see what's there. Another way we can learn to live in contentment is to practice patience and grace. To Rather than kind of engaging with things, maybe we have to step back and say, is this the right move to make right now? I know nobody really wants to be patient. And I, I've heard that old thing, don't, don't pray for patience because the only way we learn patience, right, is to be in situations where ah, it's the hardest thing to have. But when I begin to practice patience, to slow down and to stop, Patience kind of goes hand in hand with that contentment and satisfaction that I'm willing to wait on the Lord. And the other thing is to continue moving God to that center place in your life. Now, this isn't because God's purposely wanting to be on the fringe of your life. It's where we play, it's our orientation to him. And is he at the center or have I relegated him to the sidelines. But when I'm content, I have moved God more and more. I have oriented myself differently to him that I really can say he's all that I need. And that's how we begin to practice and learn contentment. The second thing is this. Pause and make room for God throughout your day. Last week, in the message about worship, uh, we talked about, you know, how we take those steps personally in your life. And, and uh, if you were in the service here at our Turlock campus, I, I, and I know Jeremy did it at Patterson as well, we talked about prayer and engaging with God's word and doing those things, that those can become acts of worship for us. And, 
And for me, it was just like, hang on, because I'm going to talk about it next week. Well, this, this is the week. And again, this comes back now to us moving God to the center of our life or a different way of looking at it, reorienting ourselves to the priority of God. And by the way, this is not about whether you pray for more hours than you watch TV or you go to work. What matters is whether you are bringing Christ into your daily life and into the choices that you make. Do you live with a sense of awareness that you begin to notice when you have reoriented yourself away from God or you have moved God to the sidelines? And when you notice that, you take the steps to once again reorient your life, to realign yourself and move him back to the center again. Remember, now is the time to make time for him throughout your day. So one of the things I talked about through uh, different times in 2021 was this simple thing of creating prayer alarms on your phone. Right? You have your phone with you almost all the time, right? In fact, you may be watching this on your phone right now. I mean, this is our calendar. It's our communication device. It is uh, how we navigate. I mean, there's so many things that we use different apps on our phone. Well, you have an alarm built into your phone and you could set alarms through the day that just remind you to come back to Jesus, to remind you to realign and reorient yourself back to him. And I'll tell you, when you face then decisions in your life, when you face challenges in your life, I will tell you the best decisions, the best choices that you and I can make are made with the perspective of having our lives aligned with Christ. And when I'm talking about decisions and making choices, I don't mean that you know we necessarily take three weeks to fast and pray about a decision. Some require that. Some need us to really take some space and time to pray for an extended period of time, to seek God, to really hear his heart and his voice. But I don't mean that just for some of the little decisions in your life. I mean pausing for a moment and maybe asking yourself this question. Does this decision, does this choice drive me closer to God or further away? Maybe to pause for a moment, maybe a prayer alarm will bring that to say, does this decision, does this direction, does this choice allow me to pursue the best things or is this just making me more busy? For many people, and I'll include myself in this, we have a predisposition to say yes. When we're asked something, when we're invited to something, when someone wants to involve us in something, we want to we want to be on the good side, right? We want to, want to be an all-in player. So we'll say, yes, yes. And sometimes we're chronic yes-sayers. And maybe what we need to do is pause. And maybe yes is the right answer. Maybe that's the, the right choice to make. But do we ever pause and say, is this the best thing? Or am I just adding more to my plate? Am I just being more busy? That's actually stealing away the best things. Think how many cruddy decisions we make that could be avoided if we slowed down enough to get perspective. Proverbs 3 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will direct your paths. So I'm going to give you one more 
And this point on your sheet, if you have that, is going to have a couple of subpoints. But this is actually going back to the Ten Commandments. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read this. But here's what I want you to write down for this third one. Make a Sabbath rest a priority for your soul. Make a Sabbath rest a priority for your soul. Now I want to read to you in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. One of the Ten Commandments is talking about a Sabbath day, a day of rest, a day of renewal. And we're going to talk about it just just for a few minutes. But I want to read this to you. It says in Exodus 20, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which means set apart or unique. And, and God says six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and your regular work. But the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. And he rested on the seventh day. And that's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Do you notice how in that passage, God closed all the loopholes? It's like, oh, well, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to rest, but, but this. And God says, no, 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 no. You, your sons and daughters, the servants that you have, I'm sure you have a lot of servants, um, your livestock, any for He's just, he's closing it down. He's saying, listen, this is for you. This day of rest is a day of renewal. It's a day of life. It's a day of hope. It's a gift for you. Here's what God's saying in the fourth commandment. Make time and space for me. That's what he's saying. Now, it it doesn't need to be a day that, you know, you're on your knees all day. That's not it. But understand this. How cool is it that we have a heavenly father who gives you a day off, (laughs) who says, it's okay to unplug. In fact, I want you to unplug unwind, be refreshed, be renewed, to take time and make space. You know what the word Sabbath means? Literally, it means to stop. That's what it means. I know it's been turned into a a very religious word, and of course it was used in scripture and all those things, but the actual Hebrew word, sabbat, literally means stop. Stop doing what you're doing. I read one author and he put it this way. The Sabbath means to take a deep breath. In other words, God's saying for 24 hours, just take a breather. Come out of the game, you know? You ever see that in a sports game when, you know, it's going hard. You watch a basketball game. Boom, they've been going, going, going. And then, hey, they, they substitute someone else in. They go, come sit down on the bench just for a minute and catch your breath. God's saying, you've been working hard for six days. You've been doing everything you can to provide and, you know, go to work and to put your gifts and skills into play. And that's fantastic. I made you that way. But on this one day, step out of the game. Step out of the game and be renewed. Do what you got to do on the other six days. Man, work hard, study hard, shop, go for it, do well with everything you've got. But that seventh day, make some time, take some space. 
So I'm going to give you a couple things with this Sabbath that I want you to really internalize. Because understand, this is God's gift to you. God's not getting anything out of this deal. He's created you to live in a cycle of work and renewal. And he says, this is for you. So write these down. Time and space allows me to live in dependence on God. The Sabbath, in some ways, is all about trusting God enough to rest. Trusting God enough to step back. It's a statement about what you believe to be really trustworthy. (coughs) For 24 hours, one day a week, join God in what he did. You and I need to follow this pattern of work, rest, and reflect. To set apart a different day, a unique day, when you depend on the one who made it all. And it will shift something in you. The second thing is this. (coughs) Time and space allows rest for my body and my soul. Now I'm going to tell you, this is personally for me. A lot of my time during the week is gearing up for this. I had a friend of mine who's a pastor who said, I feel like I have a term paper and a presentation due every single week. And so I've got to keep you awake for 35 minutes or so so that you'll keep coming back and that you'll hear what God has to say. Now that's putting a lot on me and it's, it's really about him. But as I look into the future, you know what I see? Sunday, 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 Sunday. What am I going to speak on? I don't know. What series am I going to do next year? I don't know. What if I run out of sermons? I don't know, right? That, that's the pressure we feel. And you probably feel the same way on your job. What about the next sale? What about, what about the, the next project you have? What about the next client? What about the teaching plans for next semester? What about the classes you need for next semester? What if you get laid off? How do you keep the house in order? I don't know. I don't know. We feel the pressure of all that. And we were not designed to be perpetual motion machines. God designed us to live with a 24-hour period every seven days where we unplug, get recharged, find rest, make time, and make space. So let me ask you this. What would a peaceful day look like for you? Changes it, doesn't it? The Sabbath is meant to be a day where you're not striving to provide and get ahead. It's not making sure more items get crossed off your to-do list somewhere. It's a day to find refreshment and renewal, and God is giving it to you. Write this down. Time and space allows me to strengthen my connection with God and with others. So for some of you, the Sabbath day, a day you can step aside, is a Sunday. It's a day where you can come to church and you can worship or watch online and you can worship and and you can do that. But it's about us connecting with God. And so that day may look different for you. I don't know about you, but when I'm going 100 miles an hour through life, I don't hear God very well. I've got a to-do list that's always calling my name. And here's kind of the weird part, twisted part of this. I can justify a lot by saying, well, I'm just doing my work for God. And I wonder if God is sometimes saying, yeah, Dave, I don't, I don't know what I'd do without you. I mean, you're the one who's keeping it all going, right? He's not saying that. 
I think we have an exaggerated view of our own importance. God says, I know you, I made you, I love you, and you can depend on you. You can depend, God's saying, you can depend on me. And that's why when we gather together, and I know you're watching this from home or from your phone, but I would encourage you to come and and come back together with the church family and the church body. There's something powerful in this. God says, don't stop doing this. Come together and honor me. It's a day of remembrance for you. Last piece of this is that time and space is God's gift. So I want to challenge you, don't get caught up in the legalism of this, the legalism of time and space that God is putting boundaries on you and he's stopping you and here's the law. It's not that. He's saying, I have a gift for you. I want you to be renewed. I want you to be refreshed. I want you to find life and hope. He made this as a benefit, a gift to you. And maybe you're thinking, Dave, it's nice, but it's not realistic. And here's what I'm finding. When we blow something like this off, we just say, it's not a big deal. We're inviting a sickness to take root in our soul. We're saying, God, I'll give you my life, but I can't trust you in this giving you time and space thing. That's what we're really saying. I've got to manage it. I've got to produce. And that's why this time is so crucial to step back. The time is now to breathe in God's peace and his strength. Let me tell you, don't don't wait on this. One way or another, your body is going to make time to slow down. It may be through health issues, it may be through relational challenges, or it may be a choice on your part to slow down, to be renewed and refreshed and connect with God. Accept the invitation from God for his gift. As we end our time, uh, we're going to receive communion together. And it's a moment to take another breath and just to kind of sit in the marvel of Christ coming and giving everything for us, to recognize that as a gift. And if you need to pause this and get some juice and bread, just feel free to do that. But I want you to take that communion, take the bread, take the cup, and prepare your hearts to remember. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his followers and As they sat around that table, there was no hurry. There was no anxiety. There was no stress and anticipation. There was simply this moment to be with Jesus. It's what we get right now. And Jesus took bread and he blessed it and said, this is my body broken for you. Let's break and eat together. Then Jesus took the cup as he sat together with his friends and his followers. And he said, this is the blood of a new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. He was inviting them to join and be a part of him. Let's do it as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today and We're anticipating what you desire to do and to speak into our lives. And Lord, our tendency is to rush and to hurry. 
And maybe even right now, as some are watching this, their leg is bouncing up and down and they're thinking of 10 things they have to do today. But I pray just for a moment, you would quiet their hearts, quiet their body, and let them just sit in a moment with you. Thank you for loving us enough to give us a gift of renewal. Thank you for loving us enough to lead us to green meadows and still waters and to renew our strength as we have time with you. God, thank you for that kind of love, that kind of kindness, that kind of grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, I want to read out uh, just one, one more passage to you, Jesus' words in Matthew 11. But here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. This video is going to be over in just 60 seconds. And I want you to go ahead and turn it off. You've got YouTube on your TV or your iPad or your phone or whatever it might be. Just turn it off and just sit for a moment. And you're like, well, okay, sit doing what? Just sit. Just be with God for a moment. Let it be quiet. And see what a moment with him can do. Here's what Jesus said. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Take a moment, walk in that, and be blessed.